You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Is Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Tuscaloosa, Alabama. It is time once again for Southern Fried Sports on your home for University of Alabama Athletics. Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com for the 247sports.com network. We are with you here on SFS each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North, the Easter holiday. It approaches quickly now as we are just a couple of days away. You can still get by Peterbrook Chocolatier and they'll take great care of you where that Easter basket necessities are concerned. They can handle that for you. They can handle anything that you would like or the Easter holiday is concerned. Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. They're open till eight and they'll be open until eight on Saturday night as well. So something to keep in mind there if you're Mr. or Mrs. Procrastinator like yours truly. Joined on the program by the executive producer of Southern Fried Sports, Jacob Harrison, who together we combine to form the 60 minute boom of Sports Talk Radio. Jacob, I feel a little lost today, man. We don't have we don't have a pro day to real time here on the program. Seems like every day we've had pro days, although on the cable right now on the SEC network, maybe we'll just do this this morning, Jacob. They just fired up on the SEC network, the Alabama Ohio state replay, the 2021 college football playoff national championship game. Maybe that's what we'll do for the next, Oh, what 54 minutes or so. We'll just uh, stream a conscious the replay of Alabama, Ohio State. How's that sound, Jacob? Yeah, we've gotten a little spoiled here. It's either been March Madness or Pro Days, you know, for us to follow <laughs> along live with. But I, I'm sure Alabama's already scored by now. So, I mean, we're running out of time on this thing. Well, probably the best defensive play for Ohio State in the whole game just happened. And it was on a punt. Devontae Smith was dropped for no gain on Ohio State's initial punt of the game. The Crimson Tide just took possession. Mac Jones uh, looking for Devontae Smith, and uh, we'll spare you that, though. We'll spare you that uh, stream of consciousness because it really is. It's really all you need to do is watch this game for about an hour. I think about an hour in is when you start to see Ohio State try to cover Devontae Smith with inside linebackers, and at that point, you kind of you knew where this one was headed. 205 342 9904. That is the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio Line. We're wide open throughout the program today. We are guest free, so we are just riding, riding here on a Thursday edition of Southern Fried Sports. It is April 1st, and that brings about probably my least favorite non holiday holiday. I'm not talking about the opening day of Major League Baseball, which of course is today. You got your Atlanta Braves. Gonna be chilly up there in Philly. Chilly Philly, isn't it? Coming up at 2.05, first pitch for the Braves and the Phillies on this opening day for Major League Baseball. Max Reed getting the pill for the Bravos. Aaron Nola going to be on the bump for the Phillies, the LSU product from Baton Rouge. Name like Aaron Nola. Shouldn't you be from like New Orleans instead of Baton Rouge? Anywho, the Braves in Philadelphia for three. It's going to be chilly up there today. Going to be colder tomorrow, but there's an off day tomorrow for the Braves and the Phillies, and they'll play Saturday, Sunday. The Braves will then trek south 
to D.C. for three games. Home opener a week from tomorrow uh, for the Atlanta Braves with those same Phillies at Truist Park in Gwinnett County of the Atlanta area over there. So you do have opening day. We like opening day. April Fools is the 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 non-holiday holiday I'm talking about. Not a big fan. And we've already seen some attempts on Twitter. Was that Urban Meyer this morning, Jacob, telling everybody that the Jags have signed Colin Kaepernick? Was that was that what I saw on my timeline this morning? I haven't seen that one. Oh. Okay. Well, I thought I saw that on the Twitter. I I'll, I'll have to I'll have to check on that. I, I feel like that would have to give you Tim Tebow. <sighs> well, that's not a joke. That's coming. We've been telling you that. Uh, we've been telling you that for a while. Clock's uh, ticking. But that that may have uh, that may have been just a, a joke of a joke with Urban Meyer. You got to watch the Twitter. You know, they'll uh, they like to catfish folks on the Twitter. So maybe that was Urban being catfished or being misrepresented with the potential for Colin Kaepernick. In Jacksonville, but no, the the Tim Tebow thing it, that that's going to happen. I'm convinced that's going to happen uh, at some point, maybe in the next couple weeks with Tim Tebow and the Jacksonville Jaguars. But I'm not a big fan of the April Fool's Day. Uh, if I had to rank non-holiday holidays, I'd probably St. Patrick's Day. St. Patrick's Day isn't really an official holiday, right? I mean, they don't close federal buildings and. Uh, federal offices and banks and financial institutions for St. Patrick's Day. So St. Patrick's Day would probably be at the top of the list. Valentine's Day, obviously. I mean, I'm in the business of St. Valentine's of Valentine's Day. So, of course, I would be a Valentine's Day fan. What about you, Jacob? When it comes to these non-holiday holidays, what do you got at the top of the list? Man, that's rough. I I, I, I tend not to acknowledge them that much. Like, <laughs> Well, that's why they're non-holidays. Right. Like, I... I well, when it comes to like St. Patty's Day, like I don't, it like if I don't wear green, I'm not gonna get bent out of shape. You know, I'm not gonna increase the beer intake on that day either. Not a fan of 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 today either because my wife is really good at, <laughs> the, at, at the pranks. Uh, uh -huh. So I'm not. I, I don't know, honestly. I think it's St. Patrick's Day. You know, pretty clear cut. Valentine's Day again. I'm vested. I'm invested. In Valentine's Day. I mean, I'm a quality control engineer technician at a chocolate store. So, of course, I'm I'm invested in uh, Valentine's Day, but uh, there's not many. I, I don't think that list is long is what we're getting to here on the program. We got a lot of sports to get into as we move throughout the show. Uh, everything coming together, man. Everything. When you talk about Major League Baseball getting underway, Final Four in both men's and women's basketball cranking up in the next day or so, just right here in Tuscaloosa, you can throw a rock and hit something of interest going on where sports is related. You've got Alabama softball cranking up a three-game series with visiting Texas A&M this evening at 5 o'clock over at Road Stadium. That's going to be an SEC Network broadcast You've got games with Alabama, Texas A&M, 5 this evening, 5 tomorrow evening, 11 a.m. on Saturday. And then Alabama baseball. Really need to win a series, right? Time to win a series. Not going to be easy with a top-10 team in Tennessee in here for three this weekend. Uh, might be a little chilly. A little chilly over the Rhodes house this evening. A little chilly at the Joe tomorrow. Those are 6 o'clock first pitch. Uh, opportunities for Alabama and Tennessee, both on Friday and Saturday. And then Easter Sunday, you'll have Alabama baseball hosting the balls early first pitch, 11 a.m. Easter morning. They'll get that one underway. So you got plenty of action on the diamonds. You got gymnastics, Coleman Coliseum, NCAA regional action featuring your 2021 SEC champion, Alabama Crimson Tide. So, uh, Plenty of stuff to get to on a Thursday, Friday, and, well, throughout the weekend as well. 205-342-9904, Alabama football. It's football weather today, man. Perfect to get back out there for spring practice at the University of Alabama. Alabama on the eve of its first spring scrimmage coming up at Bryant-Denny Stadium tomorrow. Uh, obviously, offensive side of the ball, questions Folks want answers to. You're not going to get a lot of answers 
in the first scrimmage of spring, you're going to get a lot of guys that are going to get opportunities with the first couple of units, you would think. Again, especially when you look at the offensive side of the ball, that offensive line with Emil Echior out, Chris Owens jumping in there at center for Landon Dickerson, Tommy Brown, a veteran reserve trying to stake a claim to one of those guard spots, Javion Cohen, we are told, at BamaOnline.com has been working inside at one of those guard spots as well, but a lot of opportunities up for grabs when you you talk about that Alabama offensive line, right tackle. Now, is it going to be a fifth-year guy in Kendall Randolph potentially? He's played some tight end. He's played some tackle. He's played some guard. Very valuable, Kendall Randolph. So we'll see if that sticks. Of course, you got those five-star early enrollees in J.C. Latham. Tommy Brockermeyer. So you're going to have to give that offensive line some time to kind of sort some things out. Now, typically throughout the spring and even into fall camp, you will see Alabama offensive lines where there are two or three vacancies that are being addressed, continue to shake up different lineups. And it's a quest in the words of Clark Griswold in the original vacation. Instead of a, it's a quest for fun. It's a quest for five as in the best five. That's what Nick Saban, that's what Doug Marone are in search of uh, here in spring. And again, perhaps even over into fall camp as well, wide receiver. As many questions in that rotation as you've had in a long time. I mean, you, you might have to go back to like 2012, maybe Amari Cooper's freshman season back then. In you know, 2011, you had some questions, right? When Julio Jones departed for the NFL draft, but you did have some guys like Darius Hanks, Marquise Mays, Kevin Norwood came on late in that 2011 season, especially in the national championship game against LSU. Alabama back then was probably even more, more open to two tight end sets. That is a possibility in all of this too, when you consider wide receiver because Jalil Billingsley is back, but you're in search of that second tight end too. Is it going to be Cameron Latou? Uh, If it isn't, does it continue to be a lot of Kendall Randolph if he's not the right tackle? So it's not just the offensive line that factors into that and figuring out some combinations. You associate tight end, and you can bridge that position to both the offensive line and the situation at wide receiver. I think there is enough talent, though, at wide receiver that it will take care of itself. Not a lot of proven talent. You know, Slade Bolden has played a good bit. John Mechie, you know, is your number one. He's just out for now. But when you get to two, three, four, and five in that rotation, some serious competition, and most of it involving pretty much first and second year guys, early enrollees, second year guys uh, like Javon Baker, like Treshawn Holden, Tyu Jones Bell. You do have another veteran and Xavier uh, Williams that has played some football, so you consider him in that mix as well. Uh, but a lot to sort out on offense. Running back, too. You know? So uh, what we are able to gather from the scrimmages starting tomorrow uh, will be of particular interest, again, with an emphasis on the offensive side of the ball. Going to head to our first break. When we come back, some college basketball talk, some news this morning. Roy Williams. Longtime head coach at the University of North Carolina. Prior to that, of course, Roy Williams did an outstanding job at the University of Kansas. 900-plus wins for Roy Williams as he retires there from Chapel Hill. And again, you sort of anticipated some of this when you got word that a guy like Nate Oates and the University of Alabama were wasting no time on that extension about a month or so ago. No coincidence there, right? Back with more of a Thursday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's a daily update on Bama sports and it's brought to you by SunSouth John Deere, the preferred tractor equipment for Alabama athletics. Visit sunsouth.com or any of their 21 locations across the southeast. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. 
Alabama football is preparing for Saturday's first scrimmage of the spring. Head coach Nick Saban gives his thoughts leading into the scrimmage. We've been able to work a lot on fundamentals, uh, which I think has you know come along very nicely. I'm not satisfied with the progress that we made as a team, uh, but I think what will really be interesting in the next in the first scrimmage is. And because we have so many young players here, you know, basically all the freshmen that we had last year. So we have a lot of really young players on the team. So it'll be interesting to see how they do in the scrimmage on Saturday when there's no coach standing on the field telling them what to do. I'll have more in a moment. Have you priced a new John Deere tractor lately? SunSouth John Deere has a full line of affordable lawn and tractor equipment this season. SunSouth John Deere has an affordable roster for everyone, from riding mowers to utility vehicles and lots of tractors. Stop by any of the 21 locations across Alabama, Mississippi, and Georgia, or visit sunsouth.com to find out what is right for you. Any budget, any project, SunSouth has you covered. Proud to be the preferred tractor equipment dealer of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Join us Thursday afternoon for Crimson Drive, presented by Regions Bank on the CTSN Facebook page. Streaming live at 2 p.m. Central, we'll have conversations with Alabama baseball pitcher Dylan Smith, plus a recap of Alabama football's second pro day and a Crimson Tide softball conversation with our CTSN softball broadcasters. That's Crimson Drive, presented by Regions Bank, this afternoon at 2 p.m. Central on the CTSN Facebook page. And that's your Bama update. Crimson Tide Today brought to you by Sun South John Deere. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports Hub. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Sunny, cool, and windy this afternoon. The high today, 58 degrees. A freeze likely late tonight. The sky clear, the low at 29. For tomorrow and Saturday, sunny both days. The high tomorrow, 60. Warmer Saturday with a high at 68. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 51 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide will not be denied. more of a Thursday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryder, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. We mentioned Roy Williams retiring from the University of North Carolina. The coaching dominoes, they don't take very long. Transfer portal doesn't take very long to exceed 1,100 players now. 1,100 men's college basketball players have entered the transfer portal, coaches making moves. Roy Williams retiring. The University of Texas sees Shaka Smart depart for Marquette. And now Chris Beard, head coach previously at Texas Tech, on the move to Austin. So uh, big things happening. Big things happening. They're happening with Alabama seemingly secure in its place with its high riser in the coaching ranks in Nate Oates. So that's a, uh, that's a comforting feeling. I would think to Alabama fans, two zero five three, four, two nine, nine zero four is the Peter Brook chocolatier studio line. Um, you know, we talked about, uh, Alabama, getting back to work on the football field in advance of tomorrow's scrimmage at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Could be that Alabama has a new tight ends coach and special teams coordinator. As we talked about throughout the week, Drew Svoboda, previously or currently of the University of Memphis, prior uh, worked at Rice and uh, head coach there in the Houston area in high school football, uh, has been expected to succeed Jay Graham on the Alabama staff. So who knows? Maybe uh, Drew Svoboda will be out there even today and tomorrow working with the uh, Alabama tight ends and special teams coordinator. No, mostly for his work with special teams. But as we talked about throughout the week, you like 
you like that background, and it makes a lot of sense when you start connecting some dots with Sabota. Uh, his background there in the state of Texas, especially where Houston is concerned. So it makes a lot of sense for Sabota uh, on the recruiting trail to be a successor to Jay Graham uh, as well. You know what else today is? Today, in addition to being April Fool's Day, in addition to being opening day for Major League Baseball, it is Todd McShay Day. Todd, 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 Todd. In the words of Mel Kuyper Jr., Todd McShay Day entails Todd McShay dropping his 4.0 mock for the 2021 NFL Draft. Todd, Todd gives you uh, he gives you two rounds in that mock draft, and like everyone else, no surprise at the very top of his mock. With Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson, the top two picks off the board, going to the Jaguars. And the Jets, respectively. But, you know, Jacob Harrison keeps saying it's a smokescreen at number three with Mac Jones and the San Francisco 49ers. Well, Todd's buying it, Jacob. He's buying into the Mac to uh, San Francisco talk to that. uh, He's buying into the smokescreen. He's fooled. If it is indeed a smokescreen. From the Niners, Todd McShay is getting got because he's got Mac Jones going number three overall to the San Francisco 49ers. How about that? How about that, Jacob Harrison? I still say it's a smokescreen. I mean, the smokescreens have to come from somebody. (laughs) These guys get the inside information, feel confident, put it in their mocks, and fool everybody. The thing is... um, the thing is, when you call smokescreen, though, right, you got to stick with it, right, Jacob? Like, you can't say smokescreen, smokescreen, and then, like, two days later go, ah, I don't think it's smokescreen anymore. Like, if you're going to stick, if you're going to go smokescreen route on stuff, you got to stay with the smokescreen. You got to commit to the smokescreen, right, Jacob? I'm committed to it. I mean, it, it would take some, <laughs> some, some damning evidence closer to the draft to persuade uh, me otherwise. Yeah, uh, but I'm sticking yeah. cl- smokescreen until I see something, you know, actually I convincing. It. I respect it because I'm a firm believer. If you're going to go smokescreen, you got to really, you got to stay with it right up until April 29th. I mean, until the Niners pick Mac Jones, number three overall on the night of April the 29th, Jacob, you got to stay in. You got to commit to the smokescreen. By the way, uh, McShay has four Alabama players going in the top nine picks. Five in the first round. This could be the nirvana of drafts for Jacob Harrison, the noted Pittsburgh Steelers fan, because in Todd McShay's two-round mock, he's got Najee Harris going number 24 overall to the Pittsburgh Steelers, and then he's got the Steelers still being able to nab Landon Dickerson. At number 55, how would that make you feel, Jacob Harrison, if the Steelers were able to do that in this draft? So you're telling me there's a chance. Is there? I don't know. I don't know your club as well, obviously, as you do. Is there that big a need at 24 for a running back for the Steelers? There, There is because the team has neglected the position purposefully. But I don't know if that means take one at 24 instead of 55. I would feel bet I would feel better taking Landon at 24 than wait than hoping he would be at 55 and having to settle for possibly a different center when you can almost definitely get a running back at 55 and feel comfortable because so many top running backs in the league right now actually were drafted in the second round. McShay has 7 of his top 10 selections in the first round coming from the Southeastern Conference. Now, he's going under He's going under our established uh, five quarterbacks in the top ten. Uh, he's, going, he's going under the four and a half in the top ten picks for QBs. He does have five in the top 11. He thinks the Pats will move up to number 11 and take Justin Fields. Justin Fields seemingly... Uh, descending 
on boards has been a very interesting narrative here in the last couple of days, hasn't it, Jacob? Um, you've had Dan Orlovsky, I've heard from ESPN, maybe questioning the work ethic and the passion for the game that, that Justin Fields exudes. I know that's been met with some blowback because in an attempt to get the Big Ten to play football, to even play the games in 2020, Justin Fields was uh, very much uh, helping to to lead that charge, very vocal, very outspoken about wanting to play the 2020 season. Now, you've got other guys in this first-round mock who opted out altogether. And by the way, you know, we always hear or wonder what impact that might have on some of these guys. If you're a first-round guy, you're a first-round guy. So if you're Micah Parsons and you decided to opt out, maybe it hurts you a little bit as far as a couple of picks, a couple of spots here or there. But Micah Parsons is still showing up in first-round mocks. Caleb Farley, the cornerback from Virginia Tech, he's still there. Doesn't seem to hurt Jamar Chase all that much, has it? Wide receiver from LSU, especially after he blew it up at LSU's Pro Day yesterday. So uh, we're not hearing as much about that. But, uh, yeah, Todd loves some SEC. It is very much the year of the wide receiver from the SEC in the NFL draft. McShay has six SEC wide receivers going in the first round. Now, four of those are coming from two schools, Devontae and Waddle from Alabama, Jamar Chase and Terrace Marshall Jr. from LSU. But still, you've got Elijah Moore, uh, from Ole Miss in that mix, you could even get it up to seven. If you look at Kyle Pitts as more of just a, a hybrid type, like a utility receiver, that's essentially seven. Seven wide receivers from the SEC uh, in the first round, according to Todd McShay. McShay, interestingly enough, he doesn't seem to be all aboard the Christian Barmore train either. He has Barmore going 44th overall, which, of course, would be eh, not quite mid-second round, but early to mid-second round to the Dallas Cowboys. That'd be some nice value. That's where I think you get value with Christian Barmore. I've said it before. I'm a Jacksonville Jaguars fan. They have a second first-round pick in the mid-20s in this upcoming draft. I'm not crazy about Christian Barmore at that spot, even in the 20s of the first round. You get him around 40, 45, 50 overall. Yeah. I like Christian Barmore more down there. Now my Jags do have the first pick of the second round too. So I wouldn't be totally against that. If Barmore went say 33rd overall, somewhere in that neighborhood, Alex Leatherwood for Alabama, according to Todd McShay, number 60 overall late second, to the New Orleans Saints. So if you're keeping track of Alabama guys with Dickerson going in the second round as well, you're talking about eight Alabama picks in the first 60 selections. Something else I didn't realize either. They're having the medical aspect of the combine still in Indianapolis, I guess, coming up. Busy few weeks for Indy with the NCAA tournament on the men's side and uh, this medical medical part of the combine coming up up there as well we're going to step aside for a break when we come back we'll get into some opposing offensive tackles speaking of alex leatherwood in the tackle position what's that going to look like for the alabama crimson tide and its 2021 schedule trying to come up for bamaonline.com with a top five opposing offensive tackles on ua's 2021 schedule not easy i'll go ahead and tell you i'll go ahead and tease it as they say in the radio business, with not a lot of standout guys, at least going into the season where the tackle position is concerned. And you can blame the University of Tennessee for a lot of that. We'll talk about that more when Southern Fried Sports returns on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. It's happened again in Alabama. A tornado emergency. One local radio company's stations broke in with life-saving information to help protect you and your family. That company was our company, Town Square Media. And here on Tide 100.9, we stand committed to do our part for the city and towns we love. When tornadoes touch down in Tuscaloosa, count on Tide 100.9 every time. 
You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. But we will take the opportunity to use Fools for our playlist theme of the day. Fool in the Rain there by uh, Led Zeppelin, of course. So we are fans of, uh, of that, no doubt about it. 205-342-9904. That is the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio Line. We're not even getting the major league baseball season underway and we already have a postponement of the Nats and Mets that was scheduled for DC today due to ongoing contact tracing involving members of the Nationals organization Tonight's scheduled game between the Nationals and the Mets at Nationals Park has been postponed. So there you go. The earliest the season will start for those two clubs now will be Saturday afternoon at 3.05 Central. Here we go. Here we go. You know, one guy who isn't all that disappointed by that news. I'll tell you one Met isn't all that worried about it right now. Not after the contract he just agreed to. How about Francisco Lindor? 27-year-old shortstop for the Mets. 10 years, $341 million from the Mets. Can't beat it. Even with my very shaky public school math background, that's $34 million a year for Francisco That'll spend pretty good, won't it? And I I can't help every time. I know you get tired of it. But every time one of these deals goes down, like Fernando Tatis and this one, and I understand different positions. We're talking about shortstops. I understand the importance of that position. But center field's pretty important, too, especially when a guy can 40 for 40 it. Like Ronald Acuna Jr., who, again couple of years ago signs that 10-year deal with the Atlanta Braves for what 120 million so 12 million per year for Acuna through his 20s 34 million per year for Lindor 27 years old shortstop yeah the deal that keeps on giving all decade long Clark Ronald Acuna Jr. 205-342-9904. That is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line. We talked about the offensive tackle position in the Southeastern Conference for the upcoming season. Now, I think Alabama is going to be in good shape there. With Evan Neal presumed to have moved from the right side to the left side, you feel really good about him over there. You got to figure some things out still on the right side. We mentioned some of the candidates involved in that race, whether it's a veteran like Kendall Randolph, whether it's a young player. Maybe it's a Damian George, second year player. Maybe it's uh, one of those early enrollees, Brockermeyer, Latham. Regardless, Alabama is going to be fine, I think, at offensive tackle. You look around the Southeastern Conference and just Alabama's opponents in general, you got to do some digging to find some quality offensive tackle options where opponents are concerned for the Crimson Tide in the upcoming season. Really, I'm thinking right now, 
the best of the bunch might be a guy who has played guard the last couple of seasons at Texas A&M, Kenyon Green, 6'4", 330, kind of that consummate guard build and body, but he was a five-star prospect coming out of high school a couple of years ago, and he is kicking out to the tackle position. He was second-team All-American a year ago at offensive guard. Helped spearhead a really good ground game for the Aggies. Isaiah Spiller, Anias Smith, those guys. And now it looks like he will be charged with handling one of those tackle spots. And it's a Texas A&M offense that's losing four starters up front. So he will key that rebuild there of the Aggies offensive line in College Station. You also have some veterans that are back. You got a couple of super seniors. This is where you start seeing some of the super seniors come into play, like Chris Owens for Alabama. You got Austin Deculus, right tackle for LSU. He's been solid and sturdy in his three seasons as a starter for the Tigers. That's the best way I know to describe Austin Deculus. Not spectacular, dependable, sturdy, solid. Prototype right tackle in Deculus. Started all 10 games last year. He's got 34 career starts at tackle, 33 of those on the right side. He's made three starts against Alabama in his career at LSU. That was an offensive line, really offensively in general. They had their issues, especially after Miles Brennan went out. TJ Finley came in at quarterback. Ended the season on a real high note with our guy. We're big Max Johnson fans, as you know, here on the program. Kind of hit their stride late with Max Johnson at quarterback. But really nice piece to return. And the narrative for LSU's offensive line has kind of turned around here. You know, it was spoken about almost in a tone of dread by LSU fans throughout the 2020 season. Now, there is a lot of hope that maybe not to the extent that LSU up front performed two seasons ago when the Tigers took home the Joe Moore award, which annually goes to the top offensive line in college football. Alabama secured it for the 2020 season, but at least somewhere in that neighborhood of play for 2021. You know, you got Sam Pittman at Arkansas. He is a lifer essentially as an offensive line coach. So, With him in place, especially as he accrues more time in that program, you're going to expect, if nothing else, Arkansas is going to field one of the better offensive lines in the Southeastern Conference. And the Hogs welcome back their left tackle in Myron Cunningham. He's a junior college transfer, another super senior. Juco, two years at Arkansas, looked like he was headed to the NFL probably a fringe NFL prospect for this upcoming draft. But with the free year, he has decided to come back as one of these super seniors. And he had a really good game against Alabama here in Tuscaloosa two years ago at the tackle position. Graded out at nearly 90% in pass protection. Now, a year ago, or last December anyway, it was not a good day for Arkansas's pass protection. And the quarterback, you got to factor him in that as well. Played a couple of guys in that game, in Jefferson and Franks. Alabama rolled up eight sacks in that 52-3 win over the Hogs back in December. Three of those came from outside linebackers Will Anderson and Christopher Allen. So your tackles for Arkansas, not going to be easy for any of these opposing tackles when you bring back guys like Anderson and Christopher Allen. Now, you also got a guy like Nick Broker over at Ole Miss. Had a nice couple of years. I think he would qualify as a top fiver. Uh, Ole Miss brings back four offensive line starters. So even though there have been some key departures like Elijah Moore at the wide receiver position, Kenny Yaboa at tight end, when you look at Ole Miss's offensive line returnees and Jerrion Ely, Snoop Connor in the backfield, Jonathan Mingo, at wide receiver, Dontario Drummond at wide receiver. What I anticipate Lane Kiffin is going to do with John Rice Plumley as sort of a multi-purpose offensive option. There are signs of promise, continued promise for that Ole Miss offense. And I think uh, 
uh, broker will be a part of that. And as I said at the end of the previous segment, when you look at kind of this list and you try to figure out who the top offensive tackles are going to be on Alabama's 2021 schedule, I blame Tennessee for it being a struggle. Shouldn't have been a struggle. A couple of recruiting classes ago, Jeremy Pruitt and the Vols brought in two five-star tackles. Darnell Wright and Wanye Morris. And both have not lived up to it. In fact, Wanye Morris isn't even at Tennessee anymore. Wanye Morris now at the University of Oklahoma after transferring during this offseason. Darnell Wright is back, but is he a tackle? Is he a guard? What about Cade Mays, the Georgia transfer? Pretty much a disappointing initial campaign for him a year ago, last season in Knoxville. So a lot of this is Tennessee's fault. I mean, that's what we can do right now, right, Jacob? Can't we blame a lot of things? If something goes wrong at this point, can't we just blame Tennessee football? Can't we just pile on the balls? I'm cool with it. Yeah, I figured you would be. So that's what I'm going to do with these opposing tackles. You know, when I struggle – when I have to grind to come up with five opposing offensive tackles on Alabama's schedule, I'm just going to blame Tennessee because Darnell Wright, Wanya Morris, should have been slam dunks. Kate Mays comes in there. If one or both of those guys, Wright and Morris, aren't slam dunks, then Kate Mays should have been, nope. Ofer on all these tackles at Tennessee in the last few years. Going to step aside to our final break. We come back. More of a Thursday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. Tide 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. Sunny, cool, and windy this afternoon. The high today, 58 degrees. A freeze likely late tonight. The sky clear, the low at 29. For tomorrow and Saturday, sunny both days. The high tomorrow, 60. Warmer Saturday with a high at 68. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 52 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. State in the 2021 college football playoff national championship game. 12-28 left in the second quarter. We're practicing real time today because we don't have like a pro day for a change to real time for you here on the program. So we've got Alabama-Ohio State on the cable right now. They're showing the replay of Alabama-Ohio State on the SEC network. So we're just getting some reps in. It's spring for us too, right, Jacob? Oh, no. Guess what just happened, Jacob? Mac Jones off some boot action, just put it on the ground. Strip sack. Ohio State football in the red zone. 14-7, to Alabama still leads. This is their chance. We'll see how it goes. It's kind of up in the air now. Alabama had a real chance right here, Jacob, to put its proverbial foot on the throat of the Buckeyes. But uh, Baron Browning for Ohio State comes off the edge. Jalil Billingsley looked like he had the pass pro assignment, wasn't quite able to get there while motioning to the backside of the play. And, uh, yeah, it's a tough one. Tough one, Jay. Leave it to Mac Jones to not be able to make a play outside the Right. I mean, there's no way. You watch a play like this, there's no way that guy's a first-round quarterback. 
Who's going to take this guy in the second round, let alone the first round? I mean, obviously, fourth-round talent. I like the retro hot takes watching the ta- the the uh, replay. Because <laughs> you know those were the takes while this was going down, right, in real time back in January. Those are exactly the tweets that were going out. You're not going to be able to do that in the NFL. Now you go forward, what? February, March, April, three months, and the guy's being talked about as the number three overall pick. And this look, this game turned out all right for Matt. Statistically, he ended up doing just fine. And just had a pass interference call on Josh Job too. I think that was his seventh straight game with a PI. Josh Job. once he got those going during the 2020 season, there was pretty much one coming a week. But he was good enough otherwise that you could live with that one PI. But I do think for Josh Job, that's the next step. Got to clean up these penalties, uh, whether it's offsides on the goal line or pass interference. He's a physical dude. That's the way he likes to play. But I'm sure that's been his uh, to-do list primarily for the offseason and into spring practice. Clean up the penalties. 205-342-9904. That is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line. Hey, um, you a last chance, you guy? Jacob, do you watch those on uh, on the Netflix? I am a uh, terrible docu-series person. <laughs> as really? much as I like docu-series and documentaries, uh-huh. I'm, I'm very, very much not the guy that actually sits down and watches them. I got you. And, and I'm not, when they drop, typically, I devour them like a lot of folks. You know, like, I love the Last Chance You stuff, uh, the Juco football stuff, especially when East Mississippi uh, was featured for a couple seasons. Pretty local feel to it right over there in Scuba, Mississippi. Uh, Did the one in Kansas, Independence Community College. That one was fascinating. Well, this latest one has involved junior college basketball, which hits home for me because I am a very proud, as we've talked about on the show before, Very proud, hashtag Juco parent, exceptionally proud to have a child who matriculated over at Shelton State, played for the legendary Madonna Thompson on the women's side of the basketball program over there. Joe Eatman does a heck of a job on the guys' side. I think the guys at Shelton State are actually 20-0 and this season. We haven't talked about that enough. The women are always great. Joe's always got the the men right there, too. So in terms of a one-two punch of men's and women's basketball, we make a big deal this year out of Alabama men and women making the big dance together. That's, that's the minimal expectation down Highway 69 at Shelton State. It's not just, well, we're going to make the NJCAA national tournament. The goal is to win the thing. And Madonna's had, I think, three third-place finishes. Our daughter was a part. She was a part of two teams at Shelton State that went 70-4 and in two seasons. Won two regional titles, state titles. uh, Finished third in both national tournaments that they appeared. So it's just a standard operating procedure down there at Shelton State. But this season on Last Chance U... They focused on East Los Angeles College men's basketball and pretty much binged it yesterday. The weather was so bad yesterday, pretty much just binged that entire season. And it was great. John Mosley, the head coach at East Los Angeles, and he is the prototypical successful junior college coach. You could take the Shelton State women's program under Madonna Thompson, trade it out for East Los Angeles John Mosley, and I think you'd have basically the same series. I think they're so comparable. It's striking. Uh, But it was great. I I really enjoyed it. I didn't think I would enjoy it as much. Uh, But, again, sort of having that background with junior college basketball, (laughs) there was a lot of it. There was a lot of it that lined up, no doubt about it. So if you haven't seen it, I would encourage you to do it. John Mosley, a real inspiration. But Coach Ken – his assistant coach on the show more so you talk about a living, breathing testimony to, uh, overcoming odds 
and overcoming paralysis, wheelchair bound, and still, in my opinion, after watching this latest one, Coach Ken's the cog for that whole thing. He's the key recruiter. He's the guy that gets the players. He's the guy that the the players feel comfortable, most comfortable with in bringing their issues to. He's the guy that talks a lot of these and understand junior college, whereas the narrative or the perception that every kid that goes junior college is there for a negative reason. There's a negative connotation about junior college athletes. It's not all that. I can tell you at Shelton state, uh, you, you, have got plenty of kids. You got plenty of young people at Shelton state that are on the Dean's list over there that play basketball. It's not always academic related or off the court issues that lead to kids taking that route. Uh, but East Los Angeles had, uh, had a lot going on on that team. And it, it was a shame too, because we understood a year ago how the pandemic ended seasons. And in some cases, careers for a lot of athletes under the radar is the junior college level, just like it is in any other time. Uh, and that, that's what East Los Angeles sort of fell victim to as well in the series. Well done though. Once again, from last chance, you, Hey, I think that's just about going to do it for a Thursday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Was going to get in a little bit of pro golf on the cable talk. We do have the Masters coming up next week, but you do have the Valero Texas Open this weekend and some Alabama flavor out there in the San Antonio area. Robbie Shelton, a former Alabama standout in the field, along with Pat Kazire. Tuscaloosa native, former Auburn Tiger. So track their progress coming up here in the next couple of days as well. Thanks as always to you for listening. We always appreciate Jacob Harrison producing the program for us here. And the lunch whistle on this Thursday is going to be Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. It is a Thursday. That means it is ladies' night. And the feeling's right at Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. Was there a couple nights ago? It is always ex- it always exceptional. Best pizza you'll put in your mouth anywhere. Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. Until 11 a.m. on Friday. Have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody.